This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Staying alive, your Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, baby, a big win on Sunday, yesterday, against those Denver Broncos. Joining me now to discuss no Arthur Motes today, no Motesy all week, unfortunately, but we got our buddy, the man, one of my favorite guys to talk Steelers football with in this town. It's our partner in crime, Chris Carter. You know him from the Locked on Steelers podcast. You've heard him on SNR here, did a show with Crowley throughout training camp. You see his beautiful face on WPXI from time to time as well, too. Chris, what's up, cousin? How we doing? I'm all right. How you doing, Wes? Hey, man, I'm, I'm much better now that I got you on the line. That is for sure, buddy. I appreciate you uh, taking the time here. I know you are a busy man, and you got a million things going on. So, uh, so let's jump right into it here. Um, Chris, that was, I think, safe to say, most encouraging, most impressive performance from the offense all season, particularly the run game, the offensive line, Najee Harris. Uh, that feels like a real reason for optimism going forward now for the rest of this season. It certainly does for the Steelers. You know, your biggest thing is just you wanted to see some semblance of a run game. And especially through three games, you didn't see it at all. And you were like, man, like, did and it left the fans guessing, should we have drafted uh, three linemen in the first <laughs> round? Should we just trade it up? Should we trade everything to get those guys? And the whole time, the Steelers were just like, no, no, be patient, be calm. You know, be you know, just, just just wait, wait for it. You know, we know what we're working with here, and, and they stuck to their guns the whole time. They kept saying, "Don't panic, don't panic, don't panic." And here you are. You know, I even say against the Packers, you started to see some of those things click, but then it's definitely um, in this in this last game, you saw the offensive line clicking, reading, understanding when when to chip together, when the when they double team together, when you need to back each other up, when you need to focus on your own assignment. Hmm. Those things only come with time and experience. As Najee Harris even pointed out, he said, he said, you know, the biggest thing you can contribute is just experience, just getting those those war stories that I bet that I keep telling you about. It's, it's always about, you know, when you lose battles together and when you win battles together, you learn from those battles. And then you take them forward as a group, especially in the offensive line, and you get better from it, especially when you have a lot of younger guys who are learning to just be in the NFL. All of those things are real challenges, which is why it was really big to see that. Again, Wes, this, this whole offseason, I was saying, man, I'd give this offense, offensive line until week eight before I start looking at it and, be, and making some harsh judgments. But, man, they're playing well in week five. That's a good sign that they could be uh, better, that, better than I think I even, even I expected as we get down the stretch in the season. Well, sticking with that then, Chris, I've gotten a few tweets about this today. It seems like it's close to happening. So what's what's the deal? What happens uh, when Zach Banner returns? Do you do you leave everything as is for now, as long as the offensive line continues to perform, or do you have to find a way to get him back in there? You have to find a way to get him back in there. His big body and his physical presence would be an asset. Um, you know, and it may take a little bit more on that right tackle position, but you put him in there, you let him go to work, and if it's and let him try to let him try to click. I think that, that you uh, you can't just be scared of that just because you're starting to get some semblance there. And you might even make it a rotational thing. You might say, hey, you know what, we're putting in troops for this moment just to get this situation going here. Um, you know, but, but I think that the, it won't be as big of a hindrance as someone might expect. Um, I really think Zach Banner's an asset they cannot afford to keep on the bench You know, when, he, when he's healthy and they say he's good to go. So um, expect, expect him to, to, be, to be brought up soon. And then uh, when he is brought up soon, 
Uh, I do think that he, he jumps in right at right tackle, and he's kind of that power run blocker that you want out on that right edge. Chris, what do you attribute most to the offense having the success that we saw them have yesterday? Was it just as simple as the offensive line playing their best game of the year, uh, You know, getting out to that lead and being able to sustain that lead and, and run the ball and not have to get away from that? Was it Ben Roethlisberger's performance? Was it something you noticed maybe with the play calling where it feels like Canada and Ben are starting to at least get on the same page and, and develop some camaraderie and some chemistry there? What do you kind of uh, – they, they did a, a lot of different things well yesterday, but chief most in your mind, what was the number one reason that the offense was, was able to have the success that they had their best performance of the season? Uh, it, it's always a number of things that like you never want to just attribute it to one sure. thing. Um, but yeah, definitely the offensive line winning more often on first and second down made a huge difference. West, I mean, like when you see when you see like the like how, how short some of the third downs were, instead of third and twelve all the time, you get a third and four, a third and three, a third and two. You put defenses in some much bigger guessing situations, which allows you to do so much more with your playbook. That's something that Mike Tomlin said. He said we won first and second down, which is something that we wanted to do in this game, and th- that led to them having those better situations on third down. I believe they were seven of twelve on third downs during the game, so that's a big factor. But also, even when the Steelers have had favorable positions, Ben Roethlisberger just hadn't been seeing the field. Yes, there were two passes that he thrown that should have been intercepted for big plays that could have killed the Steelers but they weren't caught. Just like the Steelers sometimes don't catch right, the right. they're supposed to get. No, those things happen. But the, but the question is, do you bounce back? Do you find a way to fight through and take advantage of your opponent's mistakes? And I think that they, they, they did that in that game. Um, so, yes, but Ben Roethlisberger gets a ton of credit, and I was crediting him during the game. He was seeing where the blitz was coming from. He was understanding what the Broncos were doing, and that was my biggest worry about this game. Was they had two athletic safeties in Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson, and those guys can flip coverages endlessly throughout a game. And that had been Ben Roethlisberger's biggest struggle with adjusting to those flip safeties. With that, I think he adjusted very well to what they were doing for most of the game. Uh, and that's why you saw those two touchdown passes, one to Deontay Johnson, the other to Chase Claypool, two phenomenal plays from those guys as well. Uh, all in all, it was just a, a big step up from the offense. They still got a ways to go before I think that they're ready to combat every week and and be a serious contender this year, but I do think that they're on their way. Talking to the brilliant Chris Carter here. Chris, got to discuss Juju, obviously. Nothing official from the Steelers yet, but it's being reported by a lot of credible sources, a lot of credible outlets uh, that he is going to be done for the season with a shoulder injury after having surgery. Uh, how big of a loss? Like, like we know Juju is a, is, a, is, a, is a good football player, very good football player. Feels, though, right, like relatively maybe this is one of the injuries that you can afford to sustain. You know, James Washington, this is something we spent time discussing out at training camp, right? His contract status and his kind of, you know, thought that he wanted a bigger role, more opportunity. Well, now it's time for James Washington. You know, that's the reason why you have the depth at wide receiver. But how much of a loss is Juju Smith-Schuster uh, being out for the rest of the year and then you know the other side of that this is right a, a big opportunity for James Washington to uh to put together a strong stretch of games heading into free agency well certainly for James Washington it's a big opportunity he gets a chance to show everyone that he deserves to be a top receiver on a team somewhere given more opportunities to make plays down the field I also think his, his physicality at the wide receiver position both as a blocker and a guy who goes up and gets up catches as well as fights yeah. in contact I think you're going to get to see that highlighted a little bit more and uh, next year, when it's contract negotiation time, he's got, I think he has 
the opportunity to set himself up for a much bigger contract, like you said. But for Juju, it definitely is a hurt piece for the Steelers to lose that guy. Um, you know, not just because of you know what, how people like Juju for the kind of person that he is, but because of what he does in the field. He helps you. He helps. He forces defenses to honor a lot over the middle of the field, especially on key on key possession down. When he's out there, you saw. I mean, even on the play that he got injured, Kareem Jackson was, was flying to him as yeah. soon as he went, went out went out wide. The defense is key in on that guy, and that does open up opportunities for everyone else. Uh, and arguably the biggest thing about this is the Steelers had that assortment of four wide receivers that you could you would call a starter on most teams in the NFL. Now that's down to three. So if you have a situation where James Washington misses a game, now you're down to two playmaker mm. wide receivers. And now that, that extreme strength that you had going into the season is now one step away from being, uh, what are we doing here? Is this a problem? Um, and you having to adjust your game plan. Now, I do think it opens up more opportunities for the Eric Ebron, the Pat Farmers of the world to make the plays. Even saw Zach Gentry get some execution done on a tight end strained in that game. But it's certainly a disappointing end to the season for Judas Smith-Schuster if the reports are very are true, which, uh, you know, I, I, like you said, there's enough source people reporting from those sources yeah. to say that that's going to be the case. Uh, but you know, it's really unfortunate because Juju, I think he's been a guy, he, he, he embodies what you want in a warrior type of wide receiver, you know, just uh, the way that he goes out, he fights for extra yards, he fights through content, he blocks really hard. Uh, that guy does a lot of good things for the Steelers and a lot of good things to be an NFL receiver. And for him to gamble on himself instead of, instead of going to Kansas City and doing all that stuff, he came back to Pittsburgh, um, and, you know, for less money and tried to make a special season with Roethlisberger happen and it just didn't work out. Uh, very intrigued to see how he bounces back from this next year, though, because I do think that he will. He's nowhere near done. Um, you know, I know some people out there are looking at this as like uh, not that big of a deal, but I do think that uh, he's a, he will be a missed weapon for the team of Chris, staying with Juju, then, you know, I, I gotten a lot of tweets, a lot of questions about this, too, or maybe people just kind of, um, you know, bummed that, that there's a possibility that yesterday could be his last game in, in the Steelers uniform. But I don't know if I feel that that's a foregone conclusion, right? I mean, he he decided to come back to Pittsburgh last year. I, you know, it's it's not like he's going to have a huge sample size. He's going to be coming off of a, a big surgery. It feels to me like, yeah, there's obviously a, a good chance, maybe 50-50, that he walks and ends up going somewhere else. But I'd say there's still a 50% chance that he could sign another short-term deal and come back with the Steelers. You think that's a possibility? Absolutely. It, 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 it's something that's definitely on his radar. Because, because again, you know, he, did, he took that contract to make this a proving year to say, hey, NFL teams, big salary cap boom this year. Let's see, let's see who wants to pay me. Um, but now you don't get that chance now that you're out for the year. So, um, so he's going to want to try to prove that again. Now, here's the, here's the only thing about that, though. The guy that he wanted to come back to play with, Ben Roethlisberger, looking like he probably won't be around next year, just with the way that he's taking shots a lot. Yeah. Um, but he would be he would be around teammates that he knows. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Pat Fryer, Najee Harris. That's a, that's a good amount of playmakers to be around. And if the Steelers and also you'd be around Mike Tomlin, a guy that's found a way to use you for years. So um, yeah, there's that environment that would be welcoming to him, that would that would be really good with him. Um, you know, it's going to depend on what the you know what he, what he can get on the open market. You know, I you know we we saw teams weren't clamoring to get him with long-term contracts this year, but, you know, maybe this, this upcoming season will be different. I just I look at this as a situation where Junior's going to have to evaluate and say, hey, what I see serves better working with the unknown quarterback situation the Pittsburgh Steelers, which who knows? 
maybe by next March or whenever he signs he signs his next deal, mm. it won't be unknown. Maybe maybe the Steelers will have made a move and committed to something that gives him a sense like, oh, I'd love to play with Ben Roethlisberger. Trade for before. Russell Wilson. Oh gosh, don't don't you start those things. Don't you start those things. <laughs> I uh, already but, had everybody you know, I already had everybody mad because I dared to tweet about Aaron Rodgers, Chris. So I'm I'm bulletproof at this point, baby. <laughs> listen, well listen, I mean you saw the carousel of quarterbacks that changed around last season. I mean, if you had told me just two years ago that Jared Goff would be a lion, yeah. Matt Stafford would be killing it with the Rams and that Carson Wentz would be in the, with the Colts, I would have said you're drunk. Um, but here we are. So, you know, I wouldn't put it past the Steelers to say, hey, you know what, we got some money now. Let's let's spend it on a, on a quarterback that we really like. Um, and if that happens, maybe Juju says, you know what, coming back to the, the city that I've been a star in for the last several years, why not? I'll give this one more go, and then I'll try it again the year after that. Because um, remember, he's also very young. Like he's sure, still, sure. He's still, what, 20, 24? Yeah, so 24, 25, I think, yeah. Like, that's a I – mean, those receivers that start their careers at that age. Right. So, like – he has plenty of time to, to get back to it and, and build from there. I think he'll be doing just that. So, uh, uh, you know, I do think that there's a future of him definitely in the NFL and potentially with the Steelers. I would not put it out of, uh, out of reach that he would be back. Chris Carter with us here. Just a couple more questions for our buddy, Mr. CC. Uh, Chris, just wanted to ask you a couple about the defense before I let you go here. Um, yeah. Big talking point coming into this game was Noah Fant. He's obviously one of the best young tight ends in the NFL. Uh, just three receptions for only 20 yards. And, man, I feel like – you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Edmonds is a guy who deserves a lot of con, uh, a lot of um, – uh, a lot of praise in that regard, for, for for lack of a better term. A lot of credit. That's the word that I was looking for uh, in keeping Noah Fant quiet. Um, but kind of what went into that game plan to limit him? And do you agree that, man, it just it felt like Edmonds played played one of his best games of the season yesterday. He was huge. Well, he was big. He, he was an eraser in the middle of the field. He takes away a lot of options. But one thing that Mike Thomas pointed out when we asked about him after the game, he said part of it was also the pass rush. The, the, the Broncos made a conservative, concerted effort to, uh, to leave Noah Fant and, and halfbacks in to help their offensive line protect uh, protect Teddy Bridgewater. So, you know, a lot of that was also, you know, people looking at, man, only two sacks on the day. That's crazy. D.J. Watt didn't make a play. But look back on several of those on, on those plays, especially in the key passing downs. You saw uh, you saw Noah Fant hit C.J. Watt and then a guard and a tackle follow him. He was getting Aaron Donald treatment at the time with, with three blockers on him and on a single play. That's something that's not easy to, to get around, but it's also something that helps you on the other end because now you're like, okay, now you don't, you don't have to deal with one of their biggest playmakers in the middle of the field. And I think that was a major asset that worked for them. Terrell Edmonds played a role in that. Arthur Mollett, I, had, I thought, had a good game in the slot helping over the middle. Um, Devin Bush, when he was out there, I thought was a big asset to them. So big wins for, for, that, for that part of the defense all around. Um, you know, and, and taking him away. And, and really, I think a big thing, and this is something that I've told you before, um, Devin Bush being a guy, you know, that people say, oh, he doesn't make the splash plays. Well, you saw as soon as he went off the field, that's when the Broncos offense started to figure some things out, and it's because of all the things he takes away in the middle of the field for the Steelers' defense. Um, you know, I know it's another growing situation. Mm-hmm. The Steelers need him to, be, him to be healthy along with Joe Schobert. They can play sound football in the middle of the field, and, cause some of that chaos that they've been loving to create. They're going to fire the groin coach, Chris. Get rid of him. Get him <laughs> out of town. Uh, last one I've got for you, buddy. Another thing that you and I have discussed plenty leading up to the season throughout the course of the season, the performance of young number 55, Devin Bush. 
Chris, we know there's been a lot that has gone into this. You know, Steelers fans, a lot of them just see on the surface, you're a top 10 pick. We traded up to get you. You have to be great. You and I have discussed some of the shortcomings, but we've also, you know, attributed some of that fairly to recovery from the knee injury. But Devin Bush is looking lively, made some big plays yesterday, and it feels like he's another one to keep an eye on too here. If if he can continue to get that ball rolling, uh, that's going to be a big X factor for the defense the rest of the way. Certainly. I mean, when you have a guy patrolling the middle of the field, it does a whole lot of things. One thing that Dale Lawley and I often talk about for DK Pittsburgh Sports is that, you know, you want to have great defenders in the middle of the field. You want to control the middle of the offensive line. You want to control the middle of the, of the, of the defense at the linebacker position. You want to have safety that can patrol the middle of the field and stop the easier passes, uh, you know, for the quarterback. So, Devin Bush is a part of that equation. I know he doesn't have that many splash plays. He's had two sacks in back to that game, so I thought came in big situations for the team. Um, but, uh, you know, but at the same time, he doesn't have, like, the one-handed interceptions and everything, like the highlight plays that, that people might be used to. He hasn't had, like, the Ryan Chazier insane plays yet. And people got to remember, it took Ryan Chazier time to figure out how to be that guy. So, um, certainly, I think with Devin Bush, people need to be patient, but he, he's coming up. I mean, again, if you're, if you're looking for just stats, if you're looking for just highlights, you're going to miss all the things that he does for the Steelers defense. But when you look at the tape and you see like, man, he really made this pass a lot harder for him. And you saw the quarter, you see the quarterback stare down a guy that he's guarding and then be like, you know what? I'm not throwing it there because that guy's way too close. Let me go somewhere else with this football. Um, those are the things that he really does for you. Whereas if you put out, you know, some of the guys they've had in recent years, John Bostick, Avery Williamson, mm. um, you know, uh, you know, even Vince Williams, you know, you put them in those, some of those situations, they won't fare as well because they can't run like Devin Bush runs and they can't also Oh, and, and the guys who could run like Devin Bush runs couldn't can't hit like him and feel like him against the run. So uh, he plays a major role in this defense. You know, I, I, I'm right with I'm right with you, Wes. Even though the injuries are a concern, you know, groins have been a concern everywhere. And I also point out, you know, people are like, oh man, he's so injury prone. Look across the NFL, man. Everybody's taking major injuries right now. Saquon Barkley is going to miss the next game. George Kittle is on IR. I saw another big name was like, oh, he's going to miss the next game. It's, Russell it's Wilson's missing games. Yeah. Exactly. And it happened to Russell Wilson never missed, missed games before this year. It's just it's just a rough time. It's just happening. It's it's part of the game of football. Um, but you know, I, again, I don't I wouldn't just put that on Devin Bush. I think that he's doing a heck of a job. And if he's healthy next week, it'll be a big factor in the Steelers and what they plan to do defensively. Chris, great stuff as always, buddy. I really appreciate you taking the time on Monday when I know you're very busy. Thank you and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Wes. There he is. Chris Carter. Great stuff from him. As always, love catching up with that dude. Love that dude. Friend of the show. Friend in real life. Great stuff from him. Some updates here since uh, CC and I started talking. Um, Juju has not had shoulder surgery yet. Brooke Pryor confirmed that, as did Adam Schefter. But according to Shefty, Juju will have that shoulder surgery later on this week and is expected to miss about four months. And if you do the timeline of that, November, December, January, February. Oh, well, good. Juju will be back for the Super Bowl then. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, if you want to get involved in the show. Annie tweets me and says, so glad to hear you give Edmonds his well-deserved props. He's gotten crushed a lot. When I think he plays well, I'm, I'm going to give him credit, for sure. That's just, I, I, it's kind of the same church, different pew as the Ben Roethlisberger conversation, right? Like, when, when Ben's not playing well, I'm going to say that I don't think he's playing well. When he plays a good game like he did yesterday, you give him credit. Same with Edmonds, same with anybody. That's just the nature of the beast, baby. You got to check your own agendas at the door. I realize sometimes I'm not very good at that. 
but I try and do my best, all right? I've admitted that Moats was right about Dak Prescott, and I was wrong about Carson Wentz, all right? What more do you want from me? TC says, uh, TJ Watt had a lot to do with Noah Fant not doing much. They had to chip him. Uh, that's a good point by TC, for sure. Particularly, that was something we heard Mike Tomlin talk about in his postgame press conference, how they were using Noah Fant to chip in coverage, or to, uh, to chip in protection a lot. That definitely played into his um, lack of production. But I also think at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, they were they were running him in routes a lot more, um, and the Steelers still did a good job of keeping him quiet. That's definitely something, TC, uh, that I'll keep an eye on when I do my rewatch Tuesday tomorrow. Best day of the week, Tuesday morning. Wes doesn't have to be at work till 1 o'clock, so what does he do? He gets up, he walks the dog, he makes his coffee, and he rewatches the Steeler game like a big dork. Rod Dalla tweets, uh, as it relates to wide receivers, we still have Steve Sims on the practice squad also. Yeah, like, they've got bodies at wide receiver. Not Juju Smith-Schuster capable guys, but I would be surprised if the Steelers added certainly a big-name wide receiver. Let's get to some more uh, of the tweets here. Um, At Wesley Euler on the Twitter.com if you want to get involved. Um, da, 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 da. Dewan tweets me and says, Harris is a bust, is a bus, pardon me, not a bust, a bus. Like the wheels on the bus, like Jerome Bettis. Dewan tweets me, Harris is a bus. Run, run, run. That's, that's the identity of the offense, man. I told you guys last week, I felt that the identity of this offense needed to be the young guys. Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth. We still would like to see a little bit more in terms of usage for Fryermuth, but that the identity of this offense is it's the young guys, man. It it absolutely is. Let's see. Randy tweets me and says, prayers up for Moats. Hope he gets better soon. Do you think they go out and get a wide receiver? Yeah, a couple of you tweeted me about that. I just I, I don't know. I don't think so. Particularly not a you know, there's some people tweeting about Larry Fitzgerald. I just I don't see a big name like that, particularly. Although, yeah, he could go out and trade for Odell Beckham Jr. I know that's what Motsi would want to talk about today if he was here. Well, what would you trade for Odell Beckham Jr.? What if the Browns retained some salary? I, I wouldn't trade for Odell Beckham Jr., no. Me tweets. Westman, been avoiding sports talk for the last few weeks, keeping away from the negativity and shutting out the noise, dipping my toe back into the water. Get better soon, Arthur Motes. Speedy recovery to Juju. Love you, buddy. Uh, me, it's good to have you back. Come on, cousin. I need you. I need you on the tweets, partner. Steelers man tweets and says, uh, good victory morning. Sending prayers and best wishes to Arthur Motes. Watching yesterday's game actually felt great for the first time this year. Team was clicking. Stadium was rocking. And we're still trending up and uh, on schedule for turkey time. Stadium was rocking at Heinz Field yesterday. But what's up with the no-shows, man? Still like 9,000 seats that were sold that people didn't show up. What's going on? I, I try not to be the sanctimonious fan. I try not to be the holier-than-thou fan. I realize there's things that play into this. But that's, there's way too many no-shows at these Heinz Field games. You have 59,000 people showing up when the place holds 67, 68K. That's just inexcusable. It's one thing to have 1,000 or 2,000 no-shows. Hey, it's COVID time. Things happen. Life's ha- life happens. But 9,000 no-shows? Like, it, sell your tickets, man. If you can't sell them, give them away. Call a charity. 
Call a school. Do anything. Post on your Facebook. Just give the tickets away. 9,000 no-shows. What are we doing here? Listen, I'm a WVU season ticket holder. I can't make it to every single game. I get it. Sometimes life happens. But you give them away. Give them to a family member. Give them to a friend. Like I said, there are a dozen charities that you could call around Pittsburgh and tell them, hey, I got Steelers tickets. I can't use them. They'll take them off your hands. You know what? You can do it in honor of Tunch. Call Light of Life Ministry and say, I got Steeler tickets. I can't use them. I'm thinking about my good buddy Tunch. I want, I want somebody there to be able to go to the game. Nine th- Listen, there's a lot of things. Again, I don't like to be that sanctimonious fan. I don't like to tell people what to do. But 9,000 no-shows a week after there was 10,000 no-shows is embarrassing. And I normally hate it when people say that their football team is embarrassing. Like, playing bad, your team sucking is not embarrassing. What's embarrassing is, like, if you've got players that are out there committing domestic assault, domestic violence, you know, like like a Michael Vick-type situation, if that, then you can say that's embarrassing. Uh, when your team's bad, to me, that's not enough to say, oh, I'm embarrassed to be... Like, a lot of Steelers fans were doing that over the last three weeks. I'm embarrassed. I'm never embarrassed to be a fan of my team. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're just okay. I'm only embarrassed if they're actually committing crimes or doing bad things. But I'm embarrassed that there's 10,000 Steelers fans that have tickets that aren't showing up on Sundays. That's a joke. Not to be critical. Austin tweets me and says, Pierre cannot get enough credit for his effort both mentally and physically on Sunday. His ceiling might be what we thought Artie Burns' should have been. His speed is impressive. Um, Chasing down Javante from behind, you can't teach speed. I thought James Pierre had moments where he struggled, but I thought he, he showed well. He stayed in the game. He made plays, particularly the big one at the end. That's what you have to do as a corner in the NFL. You're going to get beat on plays. You're, the other team's going to – it's just – it's a tough position to play, man. Maybe the most difficult in all of sports besides quarterback. Um, Credit to Pierre for hanging in there for sure. Rebecca tweets me and says, Preach, no shows. If you can't go, give them to me. Uh, Steel City Champ says, even though fans didn't show up, yeah, there is a pandemic outside, bro. Some of us want to stay safe. Uh, again, that's I, that's why I said I realize it's a pandemic and that there should be in that regard, if you're no-showing because you're sick or you've got symptoms, that's fine. But there's no excuse to no-show in a pandemic if you've already got the tickets. Like, don't buy the tickets. Don't renew the tickets if, you're, if you don't want to go in the scope of the pandemic. I understand that. If you don't want to go to crowds of 60,000, 70,000 people, I'm not going to knock you for that. But don't buy the tickets. And also, you can still just give them away. A lot of you chiming in on my rant saying, yeah, like I've never taken my kids to Heinz Field. We'll fill those seats. Give them the charity. I, I Again, I understand it's the scope of a pandemic, and I do not expect 100% attendance for every single game. But two straight weeks where you've got a combined almost 20,000 no-shows, that's just, that's just not a good look. Brett tweets, it says Southwest canceled over 1,000 flights. Maybe all of them were Steelers fans. That definitely plays into this too. Steeler Nation is is countrywide, worldwide. There were fans at the game yesterday from Mexico I saw. Uh, that could play into it. But again, this is not a one-time thing. This has been an issue. I, I just... Oh. Oh. 
I know how much people want to go to Steelers games. Just it, it it's just annoying. It's just annoying. Julie says Ben maybe could start having the season we thought he would have if the offensive line has seen the light. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes, it would. Uh, let's see here. Uh, real quick, I'll run through these last couple tweets. Cuban Dan says, uh, hate to see Juju after the season. His presence was always noted on the field and kept the defense honest between the marks. On the other side, I'm a James Washington fan. The farm boy is a real threat, and I feel he'll feel he'll fill the void. Yeah, it's, it, it, man, it's a bummer, especially if that is the last game Juju plays for the Steelers. That's a crap way to go out, man. But that's the glass half full on the other side is at least it's at a position where you've got some depth, and and let's go, James Washington. You wanted a bigger opportunity. You got it. Let's see what you can do for these last 12 games. The lit one, Rebecca, also says, finally, Renegade comes through. Yeah, it, it was a great it was a great atmosphere. It really was yesterday at Heinz Field. Imagine if there was, you know, 9,000 more fans there. It would have been even more rocking. Uh, Julie says with the tickets, too, they sell them uh, to out-of-town people who don't use them. Yeah. Hey, if you can afford a couple hundred dollars a week on Steelers tickets that you're not going to use, God bless you. Like I said, I don't always make it to WVU games. I do my best to give them away. There has been once or twice when I haven't been able to. At least those tickets, though, only cost me 60 bucks a pop. Steelers tickets, expensive, cousin. Particularly if you if you got some good seats. Um... Steeler Nation 920 says, uh, my, my, my boy and his Raiders lost their championship game, but they said the Steelers win made him feel better. Well, there we go. One out of two ain't bad. Sorry to the young Raiders. But you know what? You made it to the championship game. You took, you, you took your lumps. You improve on it. You come back and you get them next year. Hooray! Steeler Bomb says the Steelers are a totally different team when they stay with the run and Ben has to only throw 20 to 25 times. Yahtzee. I mean, I've been saying it all along, right? I don't care what the, the script is. You can't have Ben throwing the ball 45 times, 58 times. That ain't it. That's never going to be it. Francis says, just heard the juju news. So heartbreaking. Hoping for a speedy recovery. Since it's overreaction Monday, I got another beautiful take. The Chiefs will finish with a worse record than the Steelers. Book it. Okay, I'm kidding. Don't kill me. I tell you what, you tune in on Wednesday for, for the power rankings, but the Chiefs have got some issues. I don't think they need to panic they got some issues, for sure. For sure. All right, last one here from Brett. Brett tweets, all these fools that talk about getting rid of Tomlin, look at the difference between Tomlin waiting at the locker room door, greeting each player, versus Urban Meyer staying back in Ohio for his booty calls. I'm with Tomlin. (laughs) Oh, I love you guys. I absolutely love it. Brett, I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a dozen times over the four years that I've been doing this show here. Mike Tomlin is not a perfect coach. <gasps> Newsflash. Nobody's a perfect coach. But in terms of the character of that man, in terms of the intangibles, the leadership quality, and again, I know winning football games is the most important thing. It's the National Football League. It's a billion-dollar business. But you kind of take that away. Man, I would, I would follow Mike Tomlin into hell. I mean, he he is he's a great man. He's a great leader. He's got character. He's got charisma. He walks the walk and talks the talk. Again, he's not a perfect football coach, but nobody is. Not even Bill Belichick isn't a perfect football coach. Uh, yeah, I want Mike Tomlin in my corner for sure. Absolutely compared to, to some of these other coaches across the National Football League, particularly that one who is down in Jacksonville.
That'll do it for me today. Remember, no show tomorrow because it's Tomlin Tuesday, but we'll be back on Wednesday. We'll see if we can find a way to get Motsi involved in some capacity. Uh, If not, we'll keep it rolling. We'll hear from Ben Roethlisberger on Wednesday. We'll do our power rankings. We'll give some final thoughts on everything that transpired yesterday, and we'll start to look ahead to Sunday against Seattle as well. Oh, man, this is fun. Real shot to be 3-3 three and three and back in the thick of things. Enjoy the Monday, Steelers fans. Enjoy the vibes and the sunshine. And I'll talk to you guys soon, as always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.